so welcome to um, the behavioral consultants living more genuinely <laughs> podcast right so we're trying to do our first podcast here today um, I'm Dr. Eduardo Rodriguez I have a PhD in counseling psychology uh, masters in counseling and personnel services and um, yeah, I guess that's it for me. What about you? Why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, why don't we hear a little bit about our co-host here? Hi, I'm Dr. Clara Rodriguez. I have a PhD in social welfare. I can't even talk. A PhD in social <laughs> welfare, uh, master's in social work, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker with the R psychotherapy privilege. So it's a uh, Great to be on here. This is our first time doing this, so let's see how it goes. Yeah, so what what do you think, uh, what do we mean by uh, saying living more genuinely? When I think about that, uh, that phrase, what I think about is, um, you know, trying to stay focused on the positive, but also giving room for the the negative experiences that we may be having and allowing those things to have their space and their time so that you can process them and move on from them. But you also have to acknowledge the difficulty of situations and the negative feelings that may come with those those experiences. Okay. And and, and what about the behavioral consultants? What what does that mean to you? I honestly, what it means, I think we just want to keep it real. The behavior consultants? That the, that title means to keep it real? Yeah. Okay. All right. So like the behavior, so like the behavioral consultants live more genuinely? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. And for any listeners, if we ha- ever have any, well, so what is a behavioral consultant? I'll throw that back to you. You can answer that one. <laughs> uh, I don't remember who came up with the idea, right? Who came up with the name? Um, to me, a behavior consultant is basically just someone who um, consults on behavior, right? Uh, who um, I think, you know, as as people, as professionals in behavior and psychology, I think we. Um, you know, and then just struggling as everyday individuals, we, I think we have a unique perspective because, you know, we're parents, we're married, uh, we, we run a practice together, um, you know, but we're individuals just like anybody else. So I think, um, you know, when we apply what we know from our profession and academic careers, to just what we know as being a regular human being, um, you know, we have a lot to offer in terms of um, behavior and what drives behavior, how we manage behavior, um, and I think if we if we do that in the right way, you know, it, it also allows us to get more out of life. And I think one of the underlying things to getting more out of life has a lot to do with just being genuine, being authentic, and I guess that's where or what the title means to uh, to me, um, and hopefully, you know, the topics that we touch upon on our podcast 
will expand that, you know, in different areas. See, that sounds great. And that's yeah, oh, that's okay. fantastic. And I guess I'll edit that a little bit, and we can figure out how how to make it come together, right? So, um, we just finished celebrating our thirteenth year anniversary. I got that correct, right? Yes, you did get it right. Yes, good okay, job. Good. How many years have we been together, though? Luckily, by your Facebook post, <laughs> I know that it's 19 years. Am I correct? You are correct. <laughs> That's always a landmine question for us guys, I think. Um, yeah, so 19 years together, 13 married, 3 children, no, 3. 3? Oh, are you crazy? <laughs> 2. That's 2, two. children. <laughs> Two little goddesses. And no more. The factory's closed. With the lock and the key has been officially thrown away. Um, and, uh, yeah, we started a practice together. Um, a behavioral consulting practice as well as a counseling psychotherapy practice. Um, we've bought a home together. We've uh, gone through cancer together. Right? Um... Oh, two kinds. Yeah, two kinds. That's right. Yeah, we we got we both are cancer survivors. Mine was a lot less severe, but yeah, we're both cancer survivors as well. It's crazy. Um, what are the chances of that? I have no idea. We got to look up the stats on that. And that's one other thing that I hope that we do too is that uh, besides just making commentary on different topics, also looking at some of the data and um, you know, kind of. Uh, looking at the data and trying to make sense of it as well. Because I think that's something that's really needed a lot more um, in our societies, people looking at, at, at numbers and getting more familiar with that. Um, but, but for some of our listeners, I think, well, I think data is important and it's what drives our work. I really feel like the point of this really should be in us expressing ourselves and... and in the hopes that this would encourage others to do the same um, within their support systems and if they're lacking a support system to reach out and try to find one, some a place that they could they feel connected, a place where they feel understood. So while the data is important, I think I want this to be more about um, our experiences and and people's experiences. So you want to be more complimentary? Yeah. All right, yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that hundred percent. Um, because I think I think that's part of our perspective, right? Where where besides the professional experiences we've had, where we come from, right? I guess we should probably talk a little bit about that as well. Um, we're both the children of uh, parents who immigrated from the Caribbean, um, Dominican Republic to be specific, in Puerto Rico in the house over here. So we got Dominican Rican children. Um, <laughs> so despite the stereotypes and the beliefs, right, uh, Dominicans and Puerto Ricans do get along. I don't know where that stereotype... I'm not quite sure, yeah, how that ever started, but... Yeah. Um, well, I guess I can guess where it started, but... Well, maybe because Puerto Ricans were allowed to, to come to the United States and Dominican, Dominicans were not. Yeah, it's I guess it's a bigger, involved process. Yeah, the whole American thing, right? Puerto Ricans are American, and then Dominicans have the whole right. immigration issue. We just have to take a plane, right? Get over here and be able to live and work here. That's my guess. 
Yeah, probably. But um, we both uh, grew up in New York City, right? Washington Heights. No doubt. Midtown, Hell's Kitchen, Manhattan. So we both grew up in Manhattan. City never sleeps. Now all we want to do is sleep. <laughs> <laughs> By 8.30 to be exact. Yeah. Um, the uh, And we also grew up at a unique time in the city, right? Um, the crack epidemic. All right, do you remember crack? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember, not because I never used it, but I remember um, coming out of my building. I think and, we should start off honestly. You want to really lie to our, to our listeners about your crack use? <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. I've never used crack. <laughs> nope, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you saying? So I, I do remember um, coming out of my my building and seeing like the crack vials on the street and uh, you know just walking in the neighborhood you know running errands with my mom and just seeing people you know just strung out and you know it was definitely a bad time I mean Washington Heights is not what it was when I was growing up it's yeah. changed a great deal yeah I think I think we could say the same about both of our neighborhoods they, they've changed a lot um, I think my neighborhood probably more than Washington Heights. I think Washington Heights is still holding out to a certain degree. Or would you say not? Not really? I, th I think it's there's a lot of um, a lot of different groups of people moved in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Midtown, um, I know there's some people that, that still live there that, that, that were around when I was there. But I know the building I, I grew up in has completely changed. And the neighborhoods changed a lot. Um, I don't really recognize it, uh, you know, in terms of like you know the things you would see, the people you would see, the type of stuff you would see is very different. Um, but it was real interesting for me. I mean, growing up in Manhattan because, you know, where we grew up, uh, you know, we grew up right by the Intrepid Museum in Manhattan on the West Side, and you know, the the poverty and the the, the drug use. Uh, that was rampant around and the drug dealing and everything that was rampant in my neighborhood you know you'd walk a couple av avenues up you know, to like Avenue America 6th Ave um, you know and then you see all those big big skyscrapers big buildings and all that you know businesses and everything so real like difference in in income you know just just a few blocks away um, you know so, and I remember that always being like a big, having a big impact on my mind growing up um, and made me start wondering about, um, you know, the difference, you know, those, those type of differences anyway. Yeah, I, I didn't see that as much. I mean, Washington Heights was pretty much, um, at least when I was going across the board, kind of the same. You know, if you went further up into Inwood, it was about the same. Mm -hmm. It's not the same, the same uh, things. Uh, I do remember, though, like, you know, having, if I were to travel downtown with my mom, I remember I used to have an eye doctor that was in the the Upper East Side, I think. Mm -hmm. And we used to take the bus, and I remember as the, the bus was going by, like, Spanish Harlem, like, kind of focusing on that, and then the second we hit, like, 96th Street, just the change in mm -hmm. the pop, like, the community, and just the difference of the poor community to the affluent community. Um, you know, I still remember like sitting, you know, being on the bus and watching, looking out the window and being kind of struck by that. 
and and also right you 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 also had a unique experience right because um you at least what was it for high school you started going oh, yeah, downtown I to, right I, I went to a private uh i mean when growing up in washington heights i went to one of the the local uh, catholic schools so i you know was in the same school for from first to eighth grade and then for high school i went to the lower east side for high school to a private school and it was um that's when the differences the cultural differences really hit me and more the differences in social economic status because the kids that i was in school with in elementary school i mean they were like me they looked like me mm -hmm. um but then this private high school that i went to downtown was predominantly you know white kids mostly mm -hmm. so i was i was definitely a minority in that school and then um i still remember you know my first my freshman year in high school like it was i think spring break and my classmates are talking about going to Aruba on vacation and they asked me where nice. I was going. I'm like, what do you mean where I'm going? I'm going <laughs> home <laughs> to my fourth floor walk-up, <laughs> you know, the fourth floor walk-up apartment. That's where I was going. And it, it, I just sit on the couch with uh, plastic slip covers, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I remember thinking like, that's, when I, that's another time where these things, you know, another memory that always sticks out in my mind. Cause that's when I realized, like, I, these people are not like me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. For me, uh, I went to Appleton, Wisconsin, for high school. So that was talk about a drastic difference from the crack epidemic. Hell's Kitchen, Midtown, and you know, most of my family live in the in the BX in the Bronx. So going to Appleton, Wisconsin, for high school for tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade was a big culture shock for me. But definitely, that's when I started seeing all the differences. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of cultural differences, seen a lot of educational differences, lifestyle differences. Uh, you know, it, it was it was a pretty interesting time. I think when you know, thinking back on is really unique experiences when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm already in my forties, and those are things I still remember. Yeah, I I don't think they're things that I will ever forget. Mm -hmm. yeah. Until this day, I still haven't been to Aruba. <laughs> <laughs> note taken. I'll put that down in my mental notes. <laughs> One day, maybe I have the money. I don't know. <laughs> oh, we'll have the money, right? Yeah. Because we're partners. 50 yes. 50-50. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. But, um, yeah, so, um, I think we should take some time to talk about a little bit about the pandemic, you know, effects on family life. All right. We can start there. I'm good with that. Um, so, you know, initially I'm not a person that, you know, I try to always uh, regulate my emotions so obviously this you know initially I don't think anyone be it, thought that it was going to end up being what it was or at least I didn't I'll speak for myself um, so while people were often talking about all this free time they had on their hands um, that definitely wasn't my situation I found myself to be even busier than I ever was before um, the homeschooling was very difficult for me, and it was very difficult for my kids. Um, we have a, um, 
a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. And I found myself with absolutely no time to myself. Because in, in addition to the homeschooling, we were both still working. And we were thankful for that, that we were able to figure out a way to continue our work. I mean, even though we're in essential service and never really were mandated to close down, I mean, we, we did just for, uh, you know, to protect the public health. So, um, you know, I'm glad that we were quickly able to adjust, but this whole thing has just been very taxing. I mean, the, the level of exhaustion is one that I probably never experienced before. Not even when my, my daughters were babies, where I was not sleeping and taking care of them all the time. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of where, that's kind of where the, the living more genuinely kind of comes in. Because, um, you know, I, uh, right before the pandemic, I, I don't remember, I was trying to get off of social media, right? I was trying to, like, limit my exposure because... I was just feeling like I was spending way too much time on on that, and I could use it more efficiently. And I was actually, it was actually feeling good. Uh, I was actually enjoying it. But then, um, you know, I, I got back on it uh, just out of out of need um, to be able to connect with people and and um, you know other other reasons for you know for work and things like that. But uh, one of the things that I that I would see a lot is. Um, you know, people are like, oh, you better learn X amount of skills during this time, and people talking about free time and <laughs> and, and you gotta uh, pivot. Yeah, pivot. You know, well, I think there's you know something. We did pivot though. We did. Yeah, we did. We most definitely did. Um, but I think uh, you know, I, I think beside you know, a lot of people basically to put it in a nutshell. A lot of people focus on like, oh, you know, be positive, do that, do that, or whatever. And I think that that's true, but. Hardly anybody talks about the about the difficulties like like right. you just did, you know, and I think that there needs to be a space for that as well because, you know, even though I think at some part I want to believe that some part of everyone's mind understands that what they see on social media is just a small snippet and it's a procured uh, representation of what um, you know a curated rather than a curated version of what they want to put out there. Um, so, you know, it was just interesting to see that. And that's one of the things that you can definitely expect from us is to speak about the positive, but also speak about the parts that, that are difficult, you know, because I think that's what what we, we have to offer is being able to learn how to talk about those things in a way that is real. Um, and it's not to say that there aren't positive aspects, but just being able to talk about it, get through it, and be real about it. Because um, I think that helps you to be able to live more genuinely and, and have a better quality of life. Yeah, absolutely. And why, because I think a lot of people feel forced to just focus on the positive or they force themselves to, but yet they suffer in silence. Yeah. Right. So I think that's, you know, again, one of the things, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this, because at this point in my life, I, I try to be very honest. I don't believe that suffering and silence, silence makes any sense for anyone. Mm -hmm. And I think um, in the long run, what it does is hurt a lot of people. So, you know, why not be honest about the negative things? And what, I'm not saying, you know, let's have a, a, let's sit in it for like months, but let it have its space. Talk about it, you know, process it. 
the more you talk about it, the less power it holds over you and the more you're going to be able to let it go and move on. And if you're finding that you are stuck in that space, then maybe it's time to reach out for help. Yeah, and I think that's all we're talking about here, right? Is 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 that part, right? Is when we say in like living more genuinely, and and it's about you know not only you know we want to highlight the positives, but we also want to acknowledge the struggle. You know, everybody's struggling to a certain degree, especially with the pandemic. You know, um, and by being more real about that struggle, isn't trying to take a negative filter or or light on everything, but rather just you know, like you said, acknowledgement. And then I think the other piece of that is that that's what allows you to then really, truly, genuinely appreciate the positive, right? Because I, I think sometimes people try to do the positive thing or go the pro- positive path, and that's all they do or try to do 100% of the time. And then they avoid the struggle, you know, or, or what the toll it's taking and they just focus on going production going going and and i think that without that reflection no matter how productive you are you're always going to be limited because that that what you're trying to repress is still having an underlying effect and it's still going to come through so i don't think anyone can reach their potential until they know how to acknowledge the parts of themselves that um they struggle with uh and, and like i said it doesn't mean thinking about it all day but just acknowledging it so that as you move more positively throughout the day you can also be more pointed in what you can work on and how you can become a better person and live more genuinely does that make sense total sense that sounds really good uh, good good yeah that's coming hopefully god willing um but for me yeah that that's been uh the pandemic has been really hard in terms of uh, the remote learning and being able to do that and this thing in shape, uh, you know, for me, I know you've been a lot better than I have in terms of staying up with that. I don't know where you find the motivation. I don't know. For me, if I, if I didn't, if I wasn't able to work out, I mean, I don't know what would have happened. Um, I don't know. For me, it's just the way of life. It's part of who I am. As much as I'm being a therapist and trying to help others is a part of me that's become a part of me. So it's not something I even think about. It's an automatic. Yeah, you've been at that longer than I have. Like, I mean, I've always worked out, but I've definitely had like slumps that lasted over a year. But you've been steady at it for how long now? Uh, since I graduated from college, so I was like 22. Okay, so more years than we've been together. Yeah, because after I graduated, I started putting on weight. And I, just so you guys know, not that I've, you know, maintained myself with a stellar weight the whole 20-something years. Um, you know, weights fluctuated. I think I recently realized that being middle-aged, I couldn't just eat whatever I wanted and, and stay at the weight that I wanted to be. So I've uh, completely changed the way I eat. Mm-hmm. But that's for another day, another discussion. Yeah. But it was one of the things that's been, despite the struggle one of the things that has helped you. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, for me, it, was, it definitely has, it helps me. I mean, I can see the difference between the days when, uh, you know, I, I make the time and I purposely say make the time because 
there really aren't any excuses, you know. Uh, whatever you prioritize, you make time for. And but, I uh, think for for women, I think we're well. Again, I'll speak for myself, but I think this can apply to a lot of a lot of women. Actually, I think we're we're socialized that our job is to think of everyone else first and leave yourself for last. And I'm definitely that way. And that's something that I've been battling um, for a long time now to try to reverse that a little bit. And it's not that, you know, I don't want to take care of you or take care of the kids. Um, I'm happy to do those things. You know, we're a family. But I've, I've you know, I, I battle every day with trying to make time for myself. And the fitness is a definite way for me to do that. So, you know, I get up, I do my exercise and... I feel like mentally I'm ready for the day, whatever it's going to bring. Yeah, and it's been a great role model for our girls, too. It's part of self-care as far as I, for me, at least. Mm-hmm. And the girls have gotten so much out of it as well. But don't get me wrong, I would love a pedicure and a manicure right about now. <laughs> That's got, part of self-care, too. No doubt, no doubt. But, um, yeah. Yeah, so my partner's signaling, is this too long? So I'm figuring 30 minute, 30 minutes. We're at a 25 minute mark right now. And you know, as we go, as we learn, and we, you know, we'll experiment with, with and see. But yeah, we can start wrapping it up. Um, but um, yeah, so that's a little, a little, I guess it's kind of our like episode one slash practice episode so that we get used to our very humble equipment here and uh space in our little dinette that's right um looking at our neighbor's house our sweet little neighbor she's 90 years old but anyway um yeah just to try it out and see you know and uh just to share some of the conversations we have with the rest of the world and see if anybody else gives a shit (laughs) (laughs) but i I really do hope that um, i can get anything out of it yeah I mean, I think, you know, we both thought about starting this kind of as for it, for it to be something cathartic for us, but I hope that it is for other people too. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the first name is that we wanted to make this something fun for us. Um, if people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. But just on that's for us to... Sh- <laughs> we don't care. We don't care about that. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think... No, we, we hope that you like it, but if you don't, that's okay too. Yeah. I don't take things that personal anymore at this age either. Yeah, and it's, I think it's a fun thing for us to share together. Yeah. Yeah, and actually make time for us to talk because with the nine, seven-year-olds, it's all up in the biz. It's, it's hard to make time to get that talk. But yeah, definitely, you know, maybe some uh, other topics, you know, with all the political stuff going on. Might talk about that. Mental health issues going on, obviously, we'll be talking about that. Gender issues. Gender issues, yeah, no doubt. Um, I'll be careful with that one. Uh, well, you're you're rather progressive, but I do find it to be a bit. Uh, I have my caveman moments. Caveman yeah. moments, yes, we'll call them that. You know, being raised in a machista. Well, I wouldn't say it was machista, but you know, growing up around the way I grew up, basically, yeah, I I, I can instinctually lean to some of the traditional roles, but then, you know, yes, smack back into reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in your case, I get punched back into reality. Um, yeah, so a lot of different things that, that we plan on talking about, which we talk about in our regular lives, you know, so 
like we said, is about living genuinely, and that's what we do. You know, we talk about a lot of different topics, and um, it'll be fun being able to document these conversations. And one day our kids are listening to it. Oh my God, I can't even. Probably be like, oh God, that's so embarrassing. Exactly, right? <laughs> probably be a bad spouse. Um, but yeah, man. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, thank you for listening, whoever's out there listening. Um, and I'm looking forward to the experience. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think also, you know, we'll be interviewing people too, right? We'll be interviewing our kids on certain topics because they have a lot to say. They do have a lot to say. I mean, imagine that growing up with two parents who are therapists, that must be really annoying. <laughs> it might, I don't know. It might be. I mean, I wonder how their friends feel about it. I know our seven year old was at our friend's house for a play date and the, her friends and the friend's mom were having some type of disagreement and she created a, a support circle where they sat down. <laughs> she told them to sit down in a circle and they all talked about happen? what they were feeling. Um, I was pretty amazed at that. <laughs> then my friend told me the story. I was dying. Oh, she was, it was a drop-off play date? Yeah. That is hilarious. Yeah, so our seven-year-old is uh, very verbal about her feelings. Yeah, so those will, those will be fun. And then, uh, you know, we'll start off with some of our, our friends, you know, who also have, I think, unique unique lives um, and careers and things like that um, that they might be able to share on here. Um, we want to get people from different fields because also, you know, for our younger people trying to figure out what they want to do, you know, we'll be talking about that stuff. Um, we'll be touching upon a lot of topics. So anyway, I'll, I'll start winding down. Thank you guys for your time. Thank you to my uh, beautiful partner and uh, uh, Dr. Rodriguez for, for, for being here and co-hosting. You're welcome, Dr. Rodriguez. Thank you, Dr. Rodriguez. Oh, you're very welcome, Dr. Rodriguez. Um, all right, so um, I'll sign off. And anything you want to say to sign off? I hope you'll join us next time. This is a lot of fun. Well, it was fun for me. Yeah, it was pretty fun. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Until next time.